Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Romans 8 is where we are on our journey. Today, you have something working for you. Sometimes, in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the difficulties of this life, we're not aware of just the supernatural power that is at work for us. So, if you are with me there in Romans 8, let's begin here uh, with verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. How many of you know fear is bondage? You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. God does not give out the spirit of fear. Remember, uh, we've looked at 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Whatever fear you have didn't come from God. So declare war on it. We did not receive the spirit of fear to bondage, but you received the spirit of adoption. Why the spirit of adoption? How many of you know that every one of us spiritually are adopted? Physically, we were born into this world as children of Adam. You had to be reborn to be a child of God, right? And we were adopted Somebody chose you. Somebody chose you because they wanted you. You weren't forced on anybody. You were adopted into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit himself, verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you call yourself a believer? Inside you, there is an inner witness that you belong to God. And, verse 17, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. How many of you know that as a child of God, you're an heir of all that your Father has provided for you? And joint heirs with Christ. Anybody in here have a joint bank account with somebody else? Maybe a spouse, a child. What, are you with me? Okay, God, a lot of you. All right. Do you know what a joint account is? It doesn't mean that you got half and she has half or he has half. If you're on a joint account, it means that everything that belongs to you belongs to the one on the joint account. So did you know that you're a joint heir? You're on the account with Jesus. Everything that the Father has bestowed on the Son, He has bestowed on the children. Uh, this Baptist Presbycostal almost started running fair for a minute. I didn't want to offend anybody. If children were heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, and if, indeed, is if a condition. 
we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. See, we all like the benefits. We just don't like what comes with the benefits. What would it mean to suffer with him? Well, how did he suffer? Did he suffer rejection? Did he suffer misunderstanding? Even from those closest to him. Did he suffer intense pressure? Did he suffer amazing, unbelievable temptation? One slip, one giving in to the temptation that was all available to him and he would have forfeited his right to be your Savior and mine. You talk about pressure. He was not some spiritual robot. How many of you know that a lot of the, the suffering that we do is in our suffering against sin? The Bible says you have not resisted to, your, to the point of shedding of blood in your struggle with sin. So the Temptation, the, the suffering that we go through in temptation is immense. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Everybody say it with me. The suffering that I'm going through right now under temptation or having to wait on God's promise is nothing compared to the glory that is waiting on me. Hallelujah. For the earnest expectation of the creation, that is not only the people of this world, but it is even nature itself eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Did you know that there are enormous amounts of people today in this world? Even nature itself is groaning, waiting for the last son or daughter of God to come into that born-again relationship. They are waiting for that son or daughter of God in their business, in their school, in their family, to reveal himself or herself. There are people all over, all over, just waiting for somebody to step into their identity in Jesus Christ. For somebody to be a carrier of hope. Somebody to be a carrier of the love of God. Somebody to show them that Jesus is real. Waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected, subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Did you know that all of us as created beings, God loved us too much to keep us stuck in Adam and Eve's spiritual state. He loved us too much. God had to move Adam and Eve out of that perfect realm of the Garden of Eden because 
the Garden of Eden had been violated. The presence of God had been violated by their rebellion and sin. To live in the Garden of Eden meant that they would, have, they would be able to live forever. And God didn't want them to live forever in a state of sin. And so blood had to be shed. God himself slew an innocent animal. And out of that blood took the innocent animal's covering and placed it on them to hide their nakedness. It always requires blood to walk in righteousness. Sin always demands blood. Now that's a deep deal and we can get there at some point, but let's move on here. The creation itself. How many of you know that this, this earth itself goes through violent earthquakes and storms and hurricanes and, and is, is going through a shaking Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. How many of you know that there's labor involved in birth? Some of you know that real well, don't you? There's labor involved in birth. Can I tell you something? God has put on the inside of some of you. There is germinating on the inside of your spirit man. There has been the precious seed of the Word of God sown into the womb of your human spirit. And there are dreams and plans and visions and assignments that are germinating on the inside of you. And some of you are going through great pain and turmoil from the outside and from within inside. I want to tell you, nothing gets birthed without labor. There's something on the inside of you. Don't. Don't disregard the labor portion of that which is being birthed on the inside of you. Some of you are standing for your children. Some of you are believing God for a spouse. There is something that is going on. Don't despise the labor. It is intense and there are times when you may, you may try to short circuit that process, but understand that nothing gets birthed without labor. Not only that, verse 23, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. That is our Old Testament believers before us. They, that was on the other side of Pentecost before the Holy Spirit came to indwell believers. Even we ourselves groan, listen now, get this word, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Everybody remember this. Your spirit, man, has gone to closing. Your body is under contract. You don't have a new body yet. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus right now. You are. Your soul is being renewed. Your mind, your will, your emo emotions is being renewed. But your body has sin indwelling it, and so does mine. And until that day that Jesus comes for you, or you go to him, until that day, you, there is encapsulated in our physical flesh, there is what Romans 7 calls indwelling sin. You've got it in there, and I do too. It's primarily lodged in that physical part of your body called your brain. 
because I guarantee you, you've got replays of bad memories. You've got replays of people doing you wrong. You have got the tendency to operate in anger or greed or lust or anything. It's right there, isn't it? And until our body is redeemed, until that which is under contract goes to closing and we get a new one, there's some groaning going on. Sometimes the pressure and the heartache can get so deep that we don't know how to do anything but groan. We've been saved in hope, but there's so many things we don't see yet that we're longing for. Verse 25, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, verse 26, now really bear down on this. Likewise, the Spirit, talking about those of us who are believers. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Understand the word helps there means he partners with us in our weaknesses. How many of you know if you think you don't have any weaknesses, it's going to be hard for you to, to partner with the Holy Spirit? The Word says if you have pride, He will resist you. But if you will admit your own weakness and dependency, He's attracted to you. He will help you. The Spirit Himself helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession, that is, on our behalf, makes petitions on our behalf with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many of you know Jesus won't pray outside the will of God? He won't give you everything you ask for. He won't give you anything that is outside the will of God. He can't. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. I want you to know something today. You've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working for you. He's for you. He's for you. That's not happy talk. That's what the Word says right here. Inside you right now, the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at this. The Holy Spirit is making intercession. He's helping you. He's making intercession for you. Now, I want you to understand the word for you, according to Strong's Concordance, was not in the original Greek. There are two ways of interpreting this. Are you listening? Okay, we're going to go to school here now. There are two ways of interpreting this passage. Some believe when they see this, it means that the Holy Spirit is making intercession. He is praying, and we are not part of the process. This is something that is done outside of our cooperation or even our own consciousness. That the Holy Spirit is constantly praying, and Jesus, our high priest before the throne of God, is relating what the Spirit is praying to the Father who works all things for good. And that's one way of looking at it. There's another way of interpreting this. And that is that the Holy Spirit is not doing it for us outside of our own participation, but He is working with us. And those who believe in that particular interpretation, me being one, 
it believes that the very context he helps us means that there's a partnership going on here. There's something that we are involved in personally. And that would also go with verse 22 and 23 that talks about how we have groanings in our inner man. We have deep groanings in our inner man that sometimes can't even be expressed and certainly not understood. Are y'all listening to me? And what, the, what this interpretation says is that the Holy Spirit is working with us and He is uttering these groanings through us. And these groanings usually have to do with a, a, a degree of distress or anguish. But He's partnering with us in that... In, I don't know how many of you in your deep, deep, anguished, painful times of prayer understand what I'm talking about when I say sometimes there is just, as this text say, you can't put into words what you're trying to express to the Lord. You just, you just can't find the words. There is an, a, a way also, which it, when it says there at the end of verse 26, which cannot be uttered, that can also mean which cannot be intelligently explained or put into words. You ever say this word? You ever say this in English? When somebody asks you to describe something, have you ever said, it's indescribable? Have you ever said this about something? It's unspeakable. Sometimes in your inner man, there are spiritual groanings coming out of your inner man that you, you can't put in an intelligible, expressible language. That's why the Holy Spirit Himself, when that is going on, the Holy Spirit Himself is making certain through, listen, look, look at the next verse. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and He makes intercession. Who is that? Who makes intercession? Well, let's solve the mystery. Look over in verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for everybody say me. The groanings in your spirit man, conducted by the Holy Spirit to your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, there is Total understanding between those two. Our high priest, thank you, Jesus. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is, is praying in you and through you 
and the Lord Jesus knows exactly what the mind of the Spirit is. And He is interceding on your behalf to the Father God. Oh, hallelujah. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Can I ask you a question? Are all things good? Are all things good? I mean, all you got to do is turn on the news and see that a lot of things are, have nothing good in them. Nothing. Look, we live in a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that comes that you see manifested out there is not the will of God. It doesn't originate from a righteous and holy and loving God. Now notice that these things work together, not separately, they're not good, but work together. In other words, there is an agent, God. Notice in the last part of that of the preceding verse, verse 27, there is a holy, mighty, all-sovereign agent, God Almighty, who is working all things together for good to who? Those who love God and those who are what? Called according to His purpose. Are all things good? Does everything turn out good for everybody? God is working all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So you got Holy Spirit on the inside of you, interceding. You can say for me, or you can say for me and with me. I believe it's for me and with me. you got a high priest, the Lord Jesus, whoever lives to make intercession for you. Hebrews 7, 25. And you've got a mighty, all-sovereign God who is working together all things for your good. Can all things be painful? Can there be some disappointment? Can there be some confusion and frustration? I don't know about you, but I am, a, I am celebrating that mighty, holy, sovereign Father is working all of, even those difficult, painful things in my life together for good because I know I'm a called out son and daughter, and so are you. So are you. Are you going to submit to his purpose or are you going to fight Are you going to cut and run? Are you going to say, well, what I was asking for didn't happen? No, you got to learn to trust with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. Notice what he says here in verse 29, for whom he foreknew. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Foreknowledge is intimate, personal knowledge. It's not intellectual facts. Whom he knew. It has to do with somebody. All right, I'm just going to say it. You parents, forgive me and you explain it to the kids. The knowledge used in the New Testament has to do with the intimacy of intercourse. God Almighty knew you, loved you, wanted you. Before you were ever born, 
He saw every choice you were ever going to make and wanted you. He saw those dark moments when you did things that you regret, which hurt him and hurt you, but he knew you, he loved you, and intimately desired you. He foreknew, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now don't get confused and stumble on this. People are having all kinds of arguments and writing books and separating into theological camps over this word. Predestined means there is a preset destination. And what is that preset destination? Well, it's, it's in the next phrase to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It doesn't mean that God predestined you to go out there and rob a bank or kill somebody or to create all this pain. It means God knew you, wanted you, and put a preset destination that you would be conformed and transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Predestined to be conformed to His image and likeness. It doesn't have anything to do with, oh, that you're just robotic and, look, sovereignty is not fatalism. God is sovereign. He is in control, but we're not some puppets on a cosmic string who always, everything we did was predetermined and, listen. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. As many as received him, John 1, 12. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoso, who, whosoever believeth on him might not perish but have everlasting life. What about 2 Peter 3, 9? God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. The heart of God is not some exclusive robotic, I'll take you, but I don't want you. I'll take you, I don't want Give me a break. Somebody should say amen on that. He called you. Notice when he preset that destination and knew you, then he issued to you a call. Notice there in verse 30, whom he preset a destination for, he called you out. Called you out of where you are. Called you. The Holy Spirit drew you. Drew you. In the name of Jesus, he drew you for you to be able to see in your inner man how much God loved you and wanted you. And gave you the grace to receive and walk in him. Those he called, he also justified. He declared you not guilty. He put you in his eyes just as if you'd never sinned in Christ Jesus. And he is in the process of glorifying you. That is, bringing you from glory to glory into his image, from one manifestation to another, into the image and likeness of Jesus. What have you got working for you? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
a foreknowledge, a predestination, a call. Well, what are we waiting for? Time to step it up, people. Time to fish or cut bait. Let me tell you, I'm on fire with that word. It's time not to play anymore now. It's time to get serious about what God has called you to do and get on with it. And quit making excuses. I know I've quit teaching and done a little preaching now. But let's me and you decide we're stepping it up. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. It is so exciting to me to see so many who are stepping it up. Investing in intimacy with the Lord. And then beginning to invest in service all around them where God has assigned them and even to the body of Christ. Let's all stand. I want to thank you today for your desire to be here with your faith family. I want to thank you. Dina thanks you for your prayers for us. We love and appreciate you. We pray for you every day. We thank the Lord for those He's calling to assist us. And that will be more and more as the days go by. I'm not going anywhere. At least I'm not planning on it. But I want to tell you all something. This is not about anybody here. This is all about Jesus. That's it. That's it. And as long as I have a voice, it will always be that way. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.